an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Ryan Warmly, joined today by Scott Bogman from all over the place and by Andy Barons of Yahoo Sports. Andy, I was just saying before the show, I've been saying this all week, it is a very busy time of year. But it's also the most fun time of year. I think a lot of fantasy analysts would agree that August, while it might be the busiest month of the season, it's so much fun, fantasy draft day. How has August been going for you? It's good. Like, once I actually get into, you know, my my more familiar drafts, the hometown drafts, things like that, um, then it then it gets really fun. Like, the preseason is a little bit unpredictable. Um, is it? Like the the sort of behind the scenes uh, fantasy gig uh, thing is that it's actually like you know the pre. I'm just trying to get to the regular season, right? Because I don't know I don't know what somebody's going to ask me to do like tomorrow, today, whatever during the preseason. Um, but it's really fun once we start like draft season. Once you start getting into the drafts in your leagues that have been around like 15, 20 years, I love it. Yeah, when we're entering the second half of August now, which is when most of the, most of those drafts are. Box, how many drafts have you done so far, either mock or real? How many do you have under your belt this this offseason? Well, mock, mocks, too, we're probably talking 30 or 40, you know, because um, I've done so many mocks. We do them for ITL. I do them for a lot of other shows as well. Um, so probably 30 or 40. But it, right now, it's the sheer amount of yeah. slow drafts that I'm in that is slowly giving me gray hair because, uh, you know, it's did I miss this league? Did I miss that league? I got to make sure this league is starting today. What are the time windows? They're all different. Some of them are four hours. Some of them are eight hours. So it's that stress right now. But like Andy said, once we get into like regular sit down, do your draft all at once time, that is when it's really fun. And I feel like once we get to the season two, it's more For structured sure. right now. Like Andy said, you don't know, you know you're going to get uh, asked to be on shows and uh, articles and all kinds of different stuff. But it's uh, it beats <laughs> digging ditches, man. It's a lot of fun. Can I, I love I, talking to say um, because I because I'm like mired in a couple of slow drafts right now that there's no feeling in fantasy like. <laughs> like being sniped on a player after after just looking at his name for like 36 hours right yeah. <laughs> like it's it's just that just yeah. happened to me this morning and I'm I'm still sick about it I'm going to be I'm going to be thinking oh. about it for a week it's a pain everybody can relate to. It, it's a, who does it's slow a draft bad draft. Well, we will not yeah. be slow on today's show. We will get here quickly through our 10 RB3s that we think are ready to make the leap. Before we jump into the show, I just want to ask everybody, go ahead, give us a review. Apple Podcasts, you know, wherever you listen to your podcasts, anywhere else, go ahead and throw a five-star review on there. It helps us get out to more people so we can help more people dominate their leagues, hopefully not your opponents in your leagues. Uh, but like I said, we're talking about RB3s that are poised to make the leap this year kind of a nebulous topic we're definitely going to be talking about some guys that are more maybe rb4s rb5s and also making the leap is kind of nebulous it could mean jumping into rb1 territory it could mean a re every week starter it could just be a guy that we think is undervalued right now that we like a lot i didn't give a lot of rules on this one and yet the first guy andy is talking about he still said he felt like he was cheating even though there were no rules here yeah, I feel like I mean, I feel like I'm cheating on most of these, honestly, because the first guy I'm going to talk about, I would probably actually draft as an RB2. And then later I'm going to talk about like an RB4 and RB5 and RB6, stuff like that. So like I feel like I'm not exactly in the range here, but 
technically, according to the list that I was operating off, um, I get to talk about James Cook as an RB3. I don't think he should be an RB3. Um, I, have him, I have him actually pretty close to Ramondre Stevenson in my ranks. Um, I, don't, I don't see a whole lot of difference, except that Ramondre has done it already. Um, no shortage of camp buzz around around James Cook, obviously. Uh, y- you know, we saw him in the preseason opener. Not that it means much of anything, but he did stroll into the end zone for a pretty easy short rushing touchdown. Um, also been just a ton of talk about Josh Allen reducing his rushing responsibilities this year. If that happens, it's clearly good for all the running backs on the Bills. It's especially good for Cook. Um, I don't I don't know that he profiles as like an every snap running back. They certainly didn't talk about him that way after drafting him, right? When they like immediate press conference after drafting James Cook a couple years ago, they they talked specifically about him in a pass catching role. Um, and yet here we are. He's very clearly the team's RB1. Um, he's also like he's pretty good. The guy averaged about six yards per carry over his final eight games as a rookie. He looked um, he looked a little lost, I think, in the first half of the season, and that definitely corrected in the second half of the season. Again, I've got him ranked like right around RB twenty, RB twenty one, something like that. I feel I feel like he's that guy that every time I look at him, I, I bump him another slot in the ranks. Right? I just there's not much of an argument against him at this point. How much higher do you think he's gonna move up? Like we're sitting here on Labor Day, and where do you think he's gonna be ranked if this training camp hype continues? Because you're right, it has been kind of a groundswell of like he does look like the RB one. Damian Harris has been kind of banged up a bit. Where do you think he ends up right before the season starts? Yeah, maybe this changes if Damian Harris gets healthy, and you know we start seeing him in preseason action. He's really a part of the you know the sort of varsity offense for that team. That could change. I also feel like James Cook is going to be one of those guys who's like, he, he goes in one place in like hometown drafts and like normal drafts, and he goes in a very different place in industry drafts, right? There's there's a lot of enthusiasm for him in, uh, in leagues that contain mostly experts and hardcore players. I don't know that the, you know, I don't, I don't know that your work, but your, you know, your eight person work league. I don't know that they're ever going to get there necessarily, um, but there's, there's always like three people ready to have a skirmish over James Cook in pretty much every draft I've been in. Uh, you guys had a bit of a skirmish in that it was the only name you both picked uh, on your list for today. So <laughs> yeah. Boggs, I'll, I'll give that's you why I felt like I was cheating. Second, right? Yeah. Like he's, I, I didn't change my tune on James Cook until we got to camp because I thought exactly what Andy had said is, you know, well, they brought in Damian Harris, who's a 200-touch guy. They never really talked about him as an RB1-style running back. But then the first interview at camp, he's like, well, obviously I'm the number one back and everyone else. And I was like, I, that doesn't sound arrogant to me. That sounds like a guy that has been made some promises. And it's pretty clear that he was made those promises early. He worked on, you know, fulfilling his end and now they're letting him have it. So I have uh, moved James cook up my board significantly recently. And I think from the, these reports, you know, I don't like to change too much once we get to camp, but when I hear direct quotes from coaches and players, not beat writers, beat writers is mainly speculation. They're closer than we are. I do respect their opinion, but I don't change my rankings based too much on what them that what they say, but the players and coaches, that's where I put my focus in hearing that and then seeing how he's been working with the ones. He was in all of those uh, first team touches and all that stuff. He scored a touchdown in that first preseason game. I am high on James Cook as well. Yeah, by the way, the list we are going off of is the expert consensus rankings, half PPR running back rankings, where he currently sits at RB28. So definitely outside of that top 24 spots there. Bogman, give me your first guy you want to talk about. All right. I 
Give me Isaiah Pacheco as a guy that can take the leap. The leap. Pacheco was RB 18 from week 11 to the end of the season uh, in uh, PPR leagues. And I expect him to be more involved in the passing game this season. McKinnon had 10 touchdowns, which doesn't really seem sustainable. Kelsey had a career high 12. Uh, That is sustainable, but will he do it again? The expectation also is that Pacheco, who says he'll be ready by week one, um, is going to be more involved. His pace from week 11 on would give him 255 touches. And I think giving him 255 touches somewhere in that range, 250 to 275, being a bell cow for the best offense in football is a place where I want to draw my players from. I want to take shots in Kansas city. He's going as an RB three right now. A lot like Andy said with, you know, drafting him as an RB two, I have done that in many spots. So I am high on Pacheco and part of it is talent, but part of it is also the pieces around him and knowing they're going to score a lot of touchdowns and there should be more opportunity for him to get in the end zone this year. I think it's a reasonable stance. I mean, obviously reasonable. I agree that Pacheco is the running back that you would want in this offense. Do you think the gap between where he's going and where like McKinnon is going and Edwards, Hilaire are going is too wide maybe, or you think it should be 30 spots apart in the rankings Boggs? I, I think it should be. I think he's by far the best back on this team. I think he surpassed CEH, who I liked coming out, but just has not put it together. McKinnon has a role, and he will definitely be there and be involved in this game. And maybe Daenerys Prince, he's making a little bit of noise. That's what we got from Pacheco last year, right? Maybe he has a role as well, but I think they like what they have from Pacheco, and I think they're going to lean on him a little the, more this the year. The nice thing I'll say, Andy, let's yeah, go to your well, next one. Well, just to piggyback no, go on ahead. that, uh, like, the nice thing about investing in this offense is obviously that it's going to average something like 30 or 35 points a game. And we've seen plenty of, you know, you can go back to Damian Williams being like the most important player to have in fantasy right. uh, a few years ago down the stretch, right? Like you, we don't even need him to be a bell cow or anything close to it. We don't, we don't need a full workload from any particular chiefs back in order for them to like, just live in the end zone, score every week. Like we've seen it time and again, you, you give the right guy 10 touches, 12 touches for this team and they go off. Before we get to the rest of today's show, let's take a second to talk about Air MedCare Network. We talk a lot about what makes winners on this show, and there's one thing all the teams, coaches, and players have in common. Preparation. Planning is key in everyday life, too. And a great way to be prepared for the unexpected is to join Air MedCare Network, America's largest air ambulance membership network. Air MedCare Network providers operate state-of-the-art helicopters that can respond to critically ill or injured patients who need emergency medical transport. These flights can be very expensive, but as an Air MedCare Network member, you won't see a bill for your flight only when flown by one of their providers. That's right, you would pay nothing. You can become a member of Air MedCare Network for just $99 per year. And right now, our listeners get up to an $80 MasterCard or Amazon e-gift card when they join and use offer code FANTASYPROS. That's Fantasy Pros with no spaces. Make financial peace of mind part of your game plan. Visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash fantasy pros. Andy, let's stick with you for your next guy. Uh, yeah, this is a lovely pairing with, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're going to end up talking about a couple of bears running backs here. I want to start yep. with Khalil Herbert, um, <laughs> who I, like, I wasn't even, I wasn't even landing a ton of Khalil Herbert until, until fairly recently. Um, I, I will say, first of all, I don't, I don't think the bears are going to have one guy and I don't think they're trying to have one guy. I think the the bears, like most other teams, like maybe 26 other teams, um, are not trying to, to just winnow the backfield down to a single player. They're not going to do it. Um, but man, 
Her- Herbert has just been so good um, with the ball in his hands. Uh, he's at, you know, I think people know he averaged almost six yards per carry last season, which is just stupid. He's always looked the part. He looked the part, you know, first time he actually got on the field for uh, appreciable snaps a couple years ago. He's already got like the long preseason touchdown to his credit. So he's got the, you know, he's already got the the sort of viral preseason clip uh, to, to, you know, boost his ADP perhaps a little bit. Um, hasn't been hasn't been particularly active as a receiver to this point in his career. And the, I would say the biggest worry with Khalil Herbert and the thing that the thing that probably makes him a guy who only ever, I don't I don't know where his snaps cap, if it's like 60 percent, 50 percent, something like that. But he's had some really like he hasn't just struggled in pass protection. He's had some really ugly moments in pass protection. And obviously for the Bears, keeping Justin Fields upright is going to be probably the key to the season, certainly the key for the offense. Um, but again, Herbert, the presumptive lead back right now, I think Foreman sees the field. I think Johnson sees the field. Um, it's a, it's a, an extremely run heavy, heavy team, obviously. And I think he is definitely, uh, Justin Fields aside, I think he is the most explosive player in that backfield. Andy, do you, when you're looking at any offense that has such a mobile quarterback like a Justin Fields, do you see that as more of a benefit for the running back in that there'll be more wide open running lanes theoretically, or do you see it as a detriment because running quarterbacks tend to not check down as much? You miss out on some of that passing game work and also they'll steal some of those rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I see it. Um, it, it's funny for, for Herbert. I don't see it as a negative because I don't think he's going to be on the field in very many obvious passing situations. Cause again, he's yeah. like, he's really had some pass protection Brutal. issues, right? So like, I'm not banking on, uh, Khalil Herbert catching 35 balls, 45 balls. That's not, that's not part of the appeal. The appeal is entirely, you know, let's get this guy 175, 200 carries. I like, I know those are going to be really efficient touches. I know he's really good. I'm like, I know he's going to get every yard that is there and more. Um, so like, that's the appeal here. And I think that Justin Fields obviously has, you know, a certain amount of gravity, right. That makes uh, that just sort of tilts the field a little bit and makes things a lot easier for the running backs in, in the running game. I don't think that there's a player here who's likely, you know, there's nobody in this backfield who's going to catch 50 balls though. Well, the next guy we're talking about from Boggs is another guy in the backfield. As you mentioned, we're in the Bears section here. So, Boggs, <laughs> you're talking about Roshan Johnson here. I just have to ask, is that because you're a Texas guy or do you actually believe Roshan is the guy to target in this backfield? Well, look, I am a Texas guy and I love Roshan, but I don't think anyone really knows what Roshan's ceiling is because he was outshined at Texas. I mean, this dude came in as a quarterback switched to running back his sophomore year and has been a great running back ever since then, but he has lived in Bichon's shadow. So what he was at Texas was a closer, if you will, a guy that is enormous, that runs downhill and hard against gas defenses that have been chasing Bijan and company around the whole game. Now here's this Hulk, you know, Derrick Henry size back coming through to run down your throat. That is what his job has been. And because he's big and because he's a former quarterback, he has already been impressed, impressive uh, as all the coaches and beat writers and everyone at Chicago has mentioned in pass blocking. So like Andy mentioned, he immediately has a role uh, in pass blocking situations, two minute situations, receiving situations, stuff like that as a running back for this team. But I don't know, like, I don't know how good he can be because he never was really given the leash to do it. So this is an investment that is much cheaper than Herbert. And I do, you know, everything Andy said about Herbert is correct. And I do think that Herbert gets the first crack to be 
the main guy in this backfield, but he has obvious deficiencies. I love Deontay Foreman, another Texas guy. Um, but you know, he's a step slower than Roshan and more than a couple steps slower than Khalil Herbert. So if you're looking for a thunder lightning in this backfield, I think it's Roshan with his pass protecting and it's Herbert as the speed guy. And I think Roshan could work himself into a bigger role and he's super cheap right now. I believe uh, when I looked last night, his ECR was running back 55. So you can get him at the end of, especially those workplace leagues. And Andy was talking about before, no one's even heard of this guy. So you can take him in the very last round. Uh, so I, I like investing in Roshan because there's the, the opportunities there and the potential is there. So it's two things I like to have when I'm taking my late shots. Andy, is it at cost that you would maybe change to Roshan or you would like Herbert, even though he's going higher, even over where Roshan's going? Um, Herbert is one of those guys that I actually think is really cheap for the for the evident talent. Right. So like if I if, if I can get a guy who I, I think is, I don't know, I like is Khalil Herbert one of the one of the 25 best ball carriers in the league. I think he actually might be. Um, Could be. I think yeah. he's like, I think he can house almost anything. So I kind of like him. I kind of like them all at cost actually. Like nobody ever fights you for Foreman either. Um, and I think at various yeah. points they're all going to have a role. I think clearly there's going to be injuries at some point. I, I will say, um, and uh, man, as you, as you were talking about, um, Roshan, he is not unknown. Like where I am locally here, Chicago, like stylistically, well, you're in Chicago. People yeah. <laughs> love running backs like this. Right. Cause he, he is ending runs with violence. Um, and people just, people just love that. I don't like, I don't know if that Physical. leads to a long career, but he's super fun to watch. Andy, let's stick with you. We're in a little running rookie running back run here for the next couple of guys. And, and you've got one down in Jacksonville. Yeah, I had uh, I had drafted Tank Bigsby virtually everywhere until uh, just you know a few few days ago. I'm in Canton, Ohio for the Kings Classic, and all of a sudden I've got competition for Tank Bigsby, which really which really <laughs> disturbed me. He's been like my favorite fantasy flyer for the back half of of drafts. I don't know for a month. He he probably already has the short yardage and goal line role um, for a Jaguars offense that that I think we all think can be really really good, right? Um, Really, really tough runner. Um, great at Auburn over multiple seasons. Uh, obviously, he's been a he's been one of those guys who's gotten consistent buzz in uh, in training camp. He's been a he's been sort of a viral clip guy, um, particularly as a receiving threat, which is a little bit of an unknown for Bigsby. I also just think he's like, and this isn't. I'm not even like knocking Travis Etienne. It's not like I. It's not like I wouldn't draft him. I think I think he's the very clear number one. I just think that Bigsby is a perfect complement um, to Etienne, and and everything that everything that Etienne struggled with last year, like those seem to be um, like really exceptional traits for Bigsby, right? So this is a really nice one too. Um, I think he's going to have standalone value, and then I think of course he's he's also going to have like very high contingent value if anything were to happen to Travis. Yeah, and Tank is a guy who like was playing on a not very good Auburn offense, so he was mm -hmm. the focal point in a lot of those you know scenarios where he was excelling in college. He will not be the focal point of this offense now, you know, not by a long shot. So I'm really excited to see what he can do with a little more room to operate and a little less defensive attention on him. Before we move on with today's show, let's take a second to talk about Rival Fantasy. They're launching their season-long leagues later this month. Mock drafts are available now for registered users to test the draft platform and get in on some preseason draft action. Then on August 30th, Rivals Season Long will launch. Leagues that sign up, fill, and draft before the start of NFL Week 1 will be entered to win league prizes up to $1,000. DFS games are already live for preseason NFL games. New users can get up to a $200 deposit match when they sign up 
at joinrival.com slash fantasypros23. You can play DFS, mock draft, and manage your season-long leagues all in one place. Rival Fantasy is the all-in-one fantasy sports platform, and this NFL season is the perfect time to get started. Don't get left behind and wondering why everyone keeps talking about fantasy bingo. Sign up today. Again, that's joinrival.com slash fantasypros23. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer songwriter and composer John Batiste the all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> Uh, like I said, we're sticking with the running backs here. So who's your next guy, Boggs? Uh, let's go with Zach Charbonnet, another rookie here. And I like Tank Bigsby a lot, too. I'm more of a Travis Etienne uh, fan, but it's not hard to squint and see Tank Bigsby get some run. But for Zach Charbonnet, and I've said this and I believe it, Ken Walker is a better back. I, I have said that. I believe it. But... I will say that the gap isn't enormous. Charbonnet displayed himself as a feature back at UCLA. He averaged over 23 touches a game uh, last season, and that was with 3.7 receptions per game. So he's not a slouch in the receiving game as well. 14 touchdowns last year. He's a bigger back than Walker, so that could give him short yardage goal line carries already. Um, and the Seahawks, look, They've got a lot of receiving talent, one of the better receiving rooms in the NFL right now. You add a talent like JSN, you have DK Metcalf and a grizzled vet like Tyler Lockett, who does not play like a grizzled vet. He's still very, very good. And what Geno Smith that did last year was incredible. But 
We've seen when the run game doesn't work, Pete Carroll, or when the pass game doesn't work, Pete Carroll is a meritocracy. We are going to go with what works. We've seen his offenses be first, second, third in rush attempts. We've seen them be very high in pass attempts under Russell Wilson and last year in Geno Smith when the run game was banged up and not really working that well. So it's going to be whatever works. And if this run game gets going, they're going to rely on it first. Or if Geno Smith takes a little bit of a step back, I know we're all in love with Cinderella Geno from last year, but we had a decade of some bad play before that, it seemed like, or somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's going to turn into a pumpkin, but maybe even if he st- takes a realistic step back to mediocrity, you know, I think we could see more involvement in this run game. And Charbonnet, yes, he's behind Walker, but still could see a significant amount of carries. And if he's getting those goal line carries immediately, could be a pretty good value on your team and a guy that could make the leap. We've seen him do it at UCLA. He could do it for the Seahawks as well. Yeah, this backfield's so interesting. So I want to get your opinion on it too, Andy. You know, by the end of the year, assuming health for for both guys, what kind of breakdown do you expect to see between Charbonnet and Walker? I, you know, this is really funny because we just uh, we we're just putting together like a collaborative piece at Yahoo where we have to talk about our hardest player to rank. Um, and, f- and for me, it was Walker, right? Because like, <laughs> if you just told me to, you know, lay out your draft board before the NFL draft, I, th- I think I might've had him at the back end of round one, like start of round two, right? I was really excited for Walker. Um, and now all of a sudden his range of outcomes is anywhere from, you know, he could still be that guy. Like, I think he's good. <laughs> he's, he's good in a, he's good in a, a weird way that we can get into in a second. Um, so like, I think is uh, like the peak of his range of outcomes is, is incredible, but I think we also have to recognize that his floor, even in a healthy season is that he, he falls into like the lighter share in a, in a platoon arrangement, right? Like that can definitely happen. Um, cause I think. I think one of his issues as a, I think one of his issues as a runner last year, and he was obviously great for fantasy and the stats were always there, right? Like he closed the season really strong, even when he was hurt. Um, I do think that he was like a, like a sort of a big game hunter a lot, right? Like he was, he, he plays for the, for the long score. Um, and breakaway yards. Yeah. And he, and he got him like, so to his credit, he, like he got him. Um, he, he always found success almost every game. Um, but that is his approach. And I do just wonder if, if, you know, Pete Carroll doesn't sometimes sit there and see then be like, just get the six yards. You know, like I, like, I feel like that, <laughs> I feel like that might be a thing. Um, there's a, there's a clear opening for Charbonnet here. So I think they are very difficult to rank and I have like, you know, so then I land with Walker, uh, was sort of a placeholder rank in the early 20s and I've probably got Charbonnet too low because I do think that Charbonnet will see the field and maybe by the end of the year it looks like a 50-50 thing I don't know if I had to peg it I guess I'd call it 50-50 that's surely wrong because I feel like Pete doesn't like that either right like I feel like well you know there will be periods where one of these guys is getting 75% of the snaps and then the other guy is getting 75% of the snaps that feels very possible to me well, I think that's a really interesting point where, I mean, I would have also said, you know, Walker, surprisingly a boom bust player, you know, from run to run at the very least. I hadn't really thought about the fact that that's probably not the type of guy that, uh, you know, Pete Carroll really would like to have in his offense. He yeah. seems like he likes Marshawn classic, Lynch. He yeah, likes a big like physical keep, guy. Keep the yeah. yeah. Moving exactly. Stay on schedule on every offensive drive. So that that is really interesting. A kind of a contrast between Walker's style of play and really what we see Carroll's vision as. Uh, Andy, let's wrap up our our rookie running backs discussion here with the guy who went latest of all of them, of of the guys we're talking about. 
Yeah, I'm just I'm just totally cheating here because I wanted to talk about the guy. He might be an RB seven. I don't know. Like you just take it with your last pick. This isn't somebody that people fight you for. But I <laughs> I, I think that Chase Brown um, was was so like during the the lead up to the NFL draft. I just thought he was so underrated, underranked. Um, maybe maybe it was the mileage he had as a college player. I honestly don't know. I can tell you that there were definitely not five better running backs in college football last season, though. There's you 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 could never convince me of that. Um, he just didn't miss in any week. Um, and he was also like he faced a couple of the country's absolute best defenses, right? He put up he he gave Iowa everything they wanted. Um, 140 yards against Iowa. He gave Michigan everything they wanted. 140 yards against them, touchdowns, like Chase Brown was just good at Illinois, start to finish, um, definitely passed the eye test. Um, he's, he's also like, coaches love guys like this. He's like, a, he's like an extra try-hard guy. Um, that's a lot of the buzz around him in camp. Um, I, I just can't, I can't imagine him not landing the role as, as that team's number two pretty quickly. Even if it's, even if he's not quite there at the start of the season, that is definitely happening for him. And I, I also think that we've seen number one, we've seen Joe Mixon slip a bit. Um, into, I thought, I thought young Joe Mixon was an incredible runner and I don't know that we, that we saw that, um, like immediate elusiveness last year. Um, and I also just like, they, they, they ran Samaj P. Ryan a lot last year. Like, there's a role for a second guy in Cincinnati's backfield. And I, I really think by the end of the season, that might be Chase Brown. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to follow up by asking, do you think this is a pure, like, the ceiling's going to be crazy high as a handcuff if Mixon goes down or whatever? Or do you think there is a spot where he can, Brown can contribute to your fantasy team? He is, he is going as a late RB6, by the way. So not quite an RB7. He's RB7. <laughs> right um, but would you say there's, there's room for him to contribute? Yeah. I mean, it's got to be pure value if he does anything for you that late, right? Sure. Or, or do we need a mix-in injury or, or something to happen with him for Brown to really shine? Well, I mean, we certainly need a mix-in injury for anybody to really take off. Um, but it's, you know, there was a... And he's not... Like he doesn't have the he doesn't have the experience obviously that P Ryan does. P Ryan is a total pro, could do anything you ask him to do, and and so I, I like I don't know that Chase Brown slides into any sort of passing down or two minute situation, um like like they like they might feel more comfortable with a with a vet. Um, but man, I I also can't believe that he's not gonna he's not gonna at least be a rotational runner for that team. I I was just like again, it's one of those situations where in the in the pre draft process I I was just stunned not to not to see chase brown as as a top four top five back um i don't know what it was maybe it's just that we get caught up in combine numbers like there's a lot of really talented players in that draft class but man he again it was the size yeah that's it i i mean he he's, he's just so productive though he just but but those it. guys those guys have I, and i hate it because i won so much money from chase brown last year <laughs> betting illinois in the under i mean you just yeah. take illinois in the under and like i did all these write-ups last year for betting pros on why i was taking illinois but to boil it down i could have just wrote chase brown defense like that was all it was right. but it, these uh a lot of you know people in the draft process have thresholds and if you don't hit that threshold you are just below it. And for a lot of guys, it was like hand size and height and all that stuff. He's a smaller back. I do not care. 300 carries against teams like in the Big Ten against Michigan and Iowa and stuff like that. What more do you need? It's on film. So I don't care about thresholds when it comes to that stuff. So I'm with you for sure on Chase Brown, Andy. Yeah, I I not sure. I didn't think he was going to be like a day, you know, day two pick or, or anything like that. But I was really surprised he felt. He's lost a lot of steam. 
He's lost a lot of steam too, because you know Joe Mixon didn't get cut, and that was the big yeah. like you know. Um, two months ago, it was like, well, it's all kind of sneaky. Take Chase Brown because Joe Mixon might get cut. And then he had this court stuff, which he, you know, was found not guilty on today, I guess. So uh, good news for him not getting suspended or anything. But yeah, I mean, he had to take a pay cut to stay in Cincy, too. So like all the stuff was pointing towards him going out the door. But he has, uh, you know, juked his way out of that. And he's still the starter in Cincinnati. So, yeah, he, he faced some good defense in the Big Ten. He didn't have to face my Maryland Terrapins last year, of course. Oh, but well, you know, yeah. we know we should. As a Texas fan, I'll never sure. make fun of Maryland. They smoked us <laughs> twice. Yeah. So. You, you have no no right to after those back to back Terps, Doves. Bogman, let's go to your number four guy. Uh, give me Antonio Gibson. And for me, the excitement about Antonio Gibson, which I already loved him coming out of Memphis as a wide receiver and making the transition to running back. It was, you know, kind of a bigger jump than most players have to do, but he just picked it up and did it. But the addition of Eric B as the offensive coordinator for the commanders makes me really like Gibson more this season, you know, last year in the last couple of years, he's dealt with like Carson, the ghost of Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke as his quarterbacks, those guys don't put fears in the defenses. I don't know that Sam Howell is going to do it, but when Gibson was a lead back and had 300 touches in 2021, it was facing stacked boxes and the short passes went to JD McKissick, right? So McKissick is gone. And I don't know that how is the answer. I think Biennemi will at least scheme up his best players like Gibson, McLaurin, Dotson to make plays in space. And that's what Gibson's role was at Memphis. And I think that's what his role should be, too. This is not a guy that has to live on volume. He lives on big plays. But when you're facing stack boxes and your offensive coordinator is not scheming up you to make plays in space, it's not going to work. I think a lot hinges on how unclogging the box and making throws downfield to give him a little bit of space to work with. Um, because if he doesn't, then Brian Robinson should be the main back for this team because he is better between the tackles, more elusive as a running back in tight spaces. But I think Gibson is just the better player, the more explosive player. I think having the enemy here is going to help him a lot. And he's getting drafted as a you know low-end RB3, I feel like, right now. I know he's moved a little bit up uh, since we started the process here, but not enough to me. I, I really like Antonio Gibson, and I think he can make a big leap if given touches and some space to work with. Well, I think one of the I think one of the most like just like all-time most unfair perceptions that I've ever seen like within the fantasy community um, related to Antonio Gibson a couple of years ago when people seemed dissatisfied with his uh, with his efficiency level of production when the man was playing on a broken leg right like that guy played through <laughs> played through like a stress reaction in his leg for us um, and no he wasn't the most efficient back while playing on a broken leg but <laughs> like the, against the, stacked boxes yeah, yeah. like the NFL itself gives you a lot of credit for doing that, but I feel like I feel like fantasy players really soured on him after that. And man, give like, me my I, points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what else you want the poor guy to do? Like, I thought that was super admirable, um, and we should have definitely taken it into account as we, you know, as we evaluate him going forward. Well, I, I think it's funny that you brought that up because I was going to ask. You know, are we maybe discounting Brian Robinson a little too much in this backfield because he was playing shortly after getting shot in the leg yeah. last year? And I, I've heard mm -hmm. a lot of people say, well, he's he's really inefficient. So this is Gibson's, you know, backfield to take it and run. But I wonder if Robinson now a full year removed from being literally shot in the leg, 
might actually be a little bit more effective of a runner. Cause I know last preseason there was some real hype for him, right? Boggs. Yeah. I mean, higher elusive rating, uh, better yards per contact, more missed tackles force than Antonio Gibson last year as well. Like I think if you're just looking for an all around back, Brian Robinson is a better back, but I want a guy that's going to make me some big plays and that's Gibson. So I think it'll be closer to 50, 50, uh, in this backfield, then it, it it should be either one of these guys getting a bigger role. But I mean, you know, the passing. So with McKissick being gone, even if Antonio Gibson's only role is as a third down back, he could turn that into an RB two with that amount of touches as well. So, uh, you know, he's not a guy that has to have a million touches because he makes big plays. Andy, let's stick with the NFC East for your last player. <laughs> Yeah, my last guy is somebody that I, I it's it's almost unfortunate that he's had um, some camp hype and some beat reporter hype lately because I was getting a lot of Kenny Gainwell early. I feel like basically I feel like we sh- we should have always regarded the the Eagles backfield as a pretty murky three headed committee. And instead, um, all the people who have always been all in on DeAndre Swift are still just all in on DeAndre Swift, right? And we've turned him into like a fourth or fifth rounder. I don't, I don't think it's that clear. Um, and then, uh, of course, a lot of the, a lot of the context clues from camp, and a lot of the, you know, there's been, there's been some, some talk from beat reporters that it's actually Gainwell who is seeing far and away the most time with, uh, with the first team in camp practices. I don't want to. I actually don't want to put everything on that because you don't know what they're working on in camp, right? They could just be, that could just be like, they, they, they run a lot of like two minute stuff. Well, they said that Gainwell didn't play in that first preseason game, right? Andy, because he knew the system and that everyone's like, well, look, Swift is starting and blah, blah, blah. But he's already played in this system. He doesn't need any preseason. Yeah, he certainly, he certainly doesn't need it. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't read a ton into that stuff. I do just think, Gainwell's a pretty good player, um, and and again, I like I think they're both going to get run. Like I think DeAndre Swift is fine. I I think um, we've overstated a, a little bit his um you know his his sort of superhero like to the moon ability. I don't like I don't I don't know that we're ever going to see that from Swift. I just I just think they're going to give Gainwell a ton of touches. And if this ends up as like two guys get forty percent of the touches and one guy gets twenty percent of the touch, like that feels right to me. That feels like what it might actually be. Also, by the way, like Gainwell was a monster at Memphis, yet another Memphis back that we're talking about. Like that guy, yeah. that guy finished with a 2000 scrimmage yard season, 50 catches. Like there's, there's not a lot of stuff he can't do. I think he's definitely going to be part of a, part of a two headed, three headed committee in that backfield. And I think they're all good. Like it's a great offensive line. It is a, it's just great team context generally. Um, I think they can all, they're like, I feel like they're all going to be flexes that we might get an RB two out of it, but um, I, I feel like we've slept on Gainwell long enough. That's probably changing, um, but he needs to be a lot closer to Swift in the ranks than than he has been to this point. I, I'm looking at your Yahoo rankings right now, and you, you currently, at least as of the last update, have him one spot behind Swift, and you have him 13 spots ahead of Penny. So you have you have Penny as kind of the. Won't we'll have to worry about Penny after week three when he's hurt for the year. I mean, come <laughs> on, you know. Yeah, probably not. A lot of mouths to feed, but yeah, obviously a super efficient, explosive offense. Uh, Bogman, take us home with your number five. Uh, I'm going to go with A.J. Dillon. I might be breaking news here, but I think it's pretty safe. It's a pretty safe assumption that the Packers will run a little more with a first-year starter in Jordan Love than when replacing a future Hall of Famer like Aaron Rodgers. So they were still under, I think, the meridian here. They were like 18th in uh, uh, pass attempts last year, but still... You're going to run the ball. When you have guys like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, you're going to run the ball a little bit more. So for me, it's A.J. Dillon. I think he's a little underrated. You know, 
likely to be more rushing attempts. He's an unrestricted free agent after the season. They paid Aaron Jones. They have no reason to limit his touches at all outside of Aaron Jones. It's just a better back. And I agree with that. Uh, he is the better back and he will get more touches, but Dylan, you know, he's not a threat to make huge plays, but he's had a top five run grade on PFF the last couple of years. He's had 300 touch seasons at Boston college. And that was yet another guy that we're mentioning here, like Ken Walker, like, he was the whole offense. Everyone in the stadium knows who's getting the ball, and he still runs through defenses. That that was Kenneth Walker at Michigan State. That is A.J. Dillon at Boston College. So, you know, a guy that can face those nine-man boxes and not flinch and run through those guys and force a lot of missed tackles sheerly because of his size is something to see. I'm more excited about A.G. Dillon next year, hopefully winding up with a team that could really use him. Tampa Bay, by the way, Tampa Bay, <laughs> you could really use A.J. Dillon. I think that would be a perfect fit for him next year. Uh, I think this year there's a chance for him to have 250 touches. Um, and if anything happens to Aaron Jones at all, Ooh, sky's the limit for this dude. He is an absolute closer and will be running ragged over some tired defenses in the fourth quarter because this dude's got stamina. A lot like Roshan uh, and um, a lot like Ken Walker. These guys that have just a different level of stamina also, you know, not something that's really easy to measure, but if you watch a lot of football, you can see it. You know, Ken Walker running over gas defenses like Michigan in the fourth. A.J. Dillon did it every week for Boston College. Dude has just a different level of physicality to him, and I'm excited to see what he can do in Green Bay with p potentially more attempts and even more next year where if he looks good this year, he could be a bell cow. So I'm excited for A.J. Dillon's future. Andy, it's such an interesting offense. I, I just want to ask you about Jordan Love quickly. Like, How good do you think he will be good enough for this offense to be good enough for the RB2 to be a successful fantasy pick? Um, well, I, I think that the greater point, um, and uh, you made it earlier right off the bat, um, they're, they're going to run more. Um, they almost certainly have to run more, right? Like I, nobody expects, uh, nobody expects love to, to deliver a, a halfway decent Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know, maybe a decent impression of last year's version of Aaron Rodgers, but, but that's it. Um, I don't, I don't think if they're the throwing a lot, it's late because they're losing. Like yeah. that is the pathway for Jordan love getting more too many pass attempts most I think, likely I think it's probably so. a pretty good defense too like I think they're just one of those teams where the plan is probably we would really like to hold you to 17 points and run it down your throat I actually also think that you know I think Dylan's a great value I, I think I think Aaron Jones is one of the most screaming values on the board like he I, he goes like yes know, RB 16 RB 17 something he never finishes there he's always been a top 12 running back like that's that's been the case for like four years He's definitely going to beat his ADP. It's just it's just kind of a weird price right now. So we sneak in an actual RB1 slash RB2 in there for you. But those <laughs> are again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I literally uh, quick, hit quick everything recap. from an RB1 to an RB7. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, quick recap here. The names we talked about uh, in addition to all the uh, extraneous ones. James Cook, Isaiah Pacheco, Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, Tank Bigsby, Zach Charbonnet, Chase Brown, Antonio Gibson, Kenneth Gainwell, and AJ Dillon Boggs and Andy, thank you so much for making the time again. Super busy time of year, but super fun as well. For Andy and for Bogman, I am Ryan Warmly. We'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros.
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.